You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. And welcome to the 42 cast, your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. As always, I am your host, Nathan, and this time we have a special treat for you. That's right, it's the last of my 2016 podcast that I have banked up. I realize that some of you might not feel that that's a treat, but hey, it's a treat for me. <laughs> I'm finally glad to uh, start getting out of this backlog situation so these episodes can be a little more timely. And really, the funny thing is, this episode was meant to be timely. It coincided with the release of an article that I really wanted to talk about. Now, the subject of that article is whether or not fandom is broken. And I think that 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 subject's kind of a timeless topic that's just as relevant now as it was a year and a half ago. So I think it's still a great episode to play for you. But yeah, I'm just uh, glad that from here on out, topics like that are things that I'll be able to play a lot closer. And as long as things go well and I get rid of all the backlog, then pretty soon I'll have these episodes recorded. I want to leave a buffer of some kind. But I just don't want a year's worth of buffer built in on episodes. I want to be able to have a few stored up in case I have a bad week and can't record or whatever. And then there'll be a few episodes to just play in a gap like that. So uh, hopefully that's what's going to happen uh, moving on. The other thing is, much like last time, where I had to apologize to James Rowe for holding his premiere episode back for so long, uh, Jennifer Hartshorn, who's been on quite a few of our episodes talking about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and some other things, this was her first episode also. So, Jennifer, I'm going to apologize to you as well for holding back your episode. Now, uh, Jennifer, in our second episode, I knew it was going to come out before this one, so I did have her introduce herself again, so I don't feel like it's quite as big of a deal as it was with James, but we are going to play her introduction from this episode just as she recorded it also. So I'll be back, of course, at the end of the episode to talk about a few more things coming up and talk about uh, what we're going to have next week. But for now, let's go into the episode already in progress when I introduce my friend that I met through the Earth Station Who podcast. She's also the host of the Earth Station MCU podcast, and that is Jennifer Hartshorn. How are you doing, Jennifer? I am doing excellent, sir. Great. Why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself? Sure. Well, I have, like like everybody here, I think, I, I'm, I'm a lifelong geek. I'm a, a tabletop gamer and a live role player and Doctor Who fan since I was knee-high to a grasshopper. I also do the Earth Station MCU podcast because I love me some Marvel movies. Well, since you've mentioned the Marvel movies and because mm-hmm. the question's already gone out before and Ryan and Sam have answered it, I'm going Uh-oh. to ask you, who is the better Chris, Evans or Hemsworth? Mm. Uh, hmm. There is uh, a wrong I'm, answer. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with Evans. Uh, I, uh, you know, it, it depends on on what criteria, but but overall, I I like him. I think that, that he is he is a very charming guy. He just he just seems like a, a neat person mm. and 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 very down to earth. Okay, so now that we've insulted was, Chris was Hemsworth, was that the wrong answer? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> Ryan just Davis likes to say th- no clues. <laughs> That's right. <Okay. laughs> no, Ryan just likes to to make things more confrontational. Oh, gotcha. Never, gotcha. never. <laughs> All right. Well, great to have you on, Jennifer. Why? Thank you. You're welcome. All right, and also up is another new person uh, that we've never had before. That uh, is someone that I met. I think doing the Revcast, although it might have just been from conversations on Facebook, I I don't even know anymore, but he's a guy that is always very much against conflict. He is a guy who uh, I always see as as sort of the voice of reason in a lot of discussions, and that is Michael. Michael, how are you doing today? Doing fantastic. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, thanks. So, Michael, why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself? Uh, much like Jennifer said about herself, I am a, a lifelong geek. I don't have as many, as many miles as most people do. Um, I grew up in the 80s with my dad, who was big into Star Trek and lost in space. So I watched that on reruns. And that was how I really got the, the passion you know, going for science fiction. I've been you know, interested in a lot of TV and movies and stuff like that since then. Uh, mostly Star Trek and then also Star Wars, which is one of my biggest loves. I've started doing a podcast. It's actually been going for about five years now uh, on the Chronic Rift Network work called the weekly Podioplex. It's just mostly a movie news podcast. And then uh, recently, mostly inspired by uh, quite a few people, including you, Nathan, uh, started doing something called the Timestamps Project, which is uh, a look at Doctor Who. I started, you know, I, I got into Doctor Who uh, a while back with uh, Christopher Eccleston when it came to Netflix. And I said, you know what? I want to go back and see what this is all about. So I started from the very beginning with William Hartnell's episodes and started working my way forward. I'm doing little uh, review blogs on each of them. So it's been quite fun. I'm actually another fourth doctor right now, and I'm loving it. Yeah, I can personally attest to the fact that Timestamps is always a great read. Whether you've never seen the episodes he's talking about, and so you can just get a feel for them, or if you are someone like myself who has seen them dozens of times, Michael brings something fresh, uh, you know, a different perspective to it, and, and it's kind of refreshing because I know a lot of the things that I've read over time, you know, fandom has kind of like fallen into an orthodox opinion of every story and so it's great to have someone who's coming in from outside of that and doing these reviews because sometimes michael diverges um you know from like the fan orthodox opinion which uh, makes it interesting to read so i really like it but uh, it's great to have you on michael well thank you good to be here great and one of the voices that you've already heard, he's the guy that you know will always come up with uh, something to cause a stir in the argument. He's the guy that absolutely detests Pluto. <laughs> and that is Ryan. <laughs> How are you doing? I don't detest Pluto. <laughs> it had it coming. <laughs> Pluto exists, it's just not a planet. <laughs> How are you doing, Ryan? Uh, you know, until about 30 seconds ago, I was doing great. <laughs> Oh, you know that I can. No, it's quite all right. I uh, wish I had a Pluto t-shirt on for you today, You're right. but I, I only have a Star Labs t-shirt on. Sorry. Yeah, see, I wondered if you were just putting on Pluto t-shirts to counteract me when I introduced you on the podcast. Just, just dumb chance. And I live near Lowell Observatory, so, you know, they have Pluto gift shop. Oh, true, yeah. But uh, anything anything uh, new and exciting happen uh, lately? I'm fleshing out a website to 
concentrate all my nerd dumb on. So yeah, I might have a web address to finally give people. Oh, that is that is interesting. I know. Any kind of theme, or is it just basically these are this is me and these are my thoughts? Right now, just that with a little of my I like to think my signature humor, but I, I'm sure I'll expand beyond that eventually. Okay, cool. Yeah, definitely let us know when you have that, and we'll uh, we'll definitely hype it. Absolutely. All right, and the final voice that you heard is someone else that should be familiar. She has the hair that launched a thousand ships. I have been on her podcast numerous times, and that is Samantha. How are you doing, Sam? I'm doing well, Nathan. Thanks for having me on again. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> well, I figure fair is fair, right? Since you've had me on quite a few times. True. I mean, as of what, as of this recording, uh, the six-hour epic podcast of uh, superhero television has all aired. So, uh, <laughs> so people now know how we feel about all oh, man of television shows. <laughs> that's right. And that's truncated, too. We could have easily gone, you know, oh probably my God, nine right. or ten. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought I had a, I had the idea, maybe I can go in and maybe and, and reduce it, and I was like, that's just too much work. I'm, no. Just, no. <laughs> it's like, I'm active, but I'm also very lazy and complacent. <laughs> I understand completely. And besides, it's all riveting material. You don't want to cut any of that out. No, exactly. Like, everything we say is gold. That's so, right. <laughs> As you all know, because I assume everyone has listened to it is listening to this right now. Right. And if you haven't, make sure that you do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Go out there and listen to it. Come back. And then you'll be like, yes. Once again, it's, it's great to have you on, Sam. Oh, yes. Thank you. No problem. <laughs> All right, so the next part for those who are new listening to uh, the podcast is something that I like to call five questions. And that is from a list that people on the episode today, as well as many other people, helped me put together of just a bunch of random geeky questions that only have two possible answers. And basically it's a way of not only uh, helping the audience to just get a feel for everybody on the show and where they stand on certain things, but also uh, it's just a way to kind of help us sort of loosen up before the topic. So without further ado, moving into five questions. Alright, first up, better cartoon of the 80s, Thundercats or Silverhawks? <gasps> Since I, I, I am I am embarrassed to say I, I have not seen Silverhawks, so I, I would have to go with Thundercats. Well, yeah, that's a pretty good reason for going with one over the other <laughs> yeah. if you haven't seen it. <laughs> Uh, well, I haven't seen Silverhawks either, so I'll have to say Thundercats. Ho! Wow! I, I thought that those two were like part and parcel, like hand in hand. Uh, you know, just one was like the sci-fi version of the other, but okay. Yeah, I, for me, that's how I, I seem to remember them being back to back when they aired. It'd be like Thundercats first, and then followed by Silverhawks. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna surprise myself, and I'm gonna say Silverhawks. Should someone be going, oh, no. <laughs> I feel like there should have been a reaction there, but yeah. yeah. Editing. Yeah. Yeah. Editing. <laughs> I'm, so I really don't have a lot of experience with either of them. Uh, Thundercats wasn't really my thing, and I've actually never heard of Silverhawks. So. <laughs> but at the very least, I've heard of Thundercats, so I'll just, I'll just go with that one by default. <laughs> Wow, this was, was like, this is a bad question. 
could have picked like any other 80s cartoons and I probably could have been like, yeah, totally on board with that. But whatever. <laughs> Well, at Blame least, you. at least the people I knew it was; those were both fairly well known back when I we was. We don't a kid. know all the same people, Nathan. <laughs> no, I'm I just... guess some people went outside when they were kids. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually going to agree with Ryan, though. I thought Silverhawks was the better show, and that might just be because I have more of a sci-fi bent. So, Silverhawks being more more sci-fi than fantasy, whereas Thundercats was kind of the inverse. Uh, I think that that's the reason why I go that way. Also, you follow the both of them, so there you go. But, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Silverhawks had the better toys. I remember that. I actually didn't have the toys for either one, so that I can't really comment on. I, I was like all a total Transformers, and I'm going to derail the pod, uh, the episode if I go any further into that, but like <laughs> it was like almost all my money See, went into Transformers. Transformers up against Thundercats, and I could have had a stake in that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, oh. all right, Sam. Sam, for those of you who are who who have never seen Thundercats or Silverox, all right. How about Gobots versus Transformers? That's no, that's not the right question. It's, <laughs> it's Transformers versus GI Joe. There we go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, would anyone argue that Gobots was the better show? Didn't watch Gobots. Oh. <laughs> Didn't watch. Yeah, same. Oh, wow. Okay. You know, I was five when the '80s ended, so whatever. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh jeez, it's like the conversations with my wife. Alright. <laughs> Alright, uh, moving right along. Hopefully this one will go better. Alright. <laughs> is it 80s related? Yes. Yes it is. No, it goes back to the 70s, so just no one has a chance at it. Alright. Better light-based game of the 80s, Photon or Laser Tag? Oh, f- <laughs> there it is. There's your S-bomb right in the beginning. Jennifer. Uh, uh, again, I have to go with, with laser tag having not played the other one. Okay. Yeah, I, same boat here. I have no idea what the photon is. So, I mean, aside from the, you know, energetic gamma particles. So, uh, <laughs> laser tag. <laughs> All right, I will say this. Photon had the better TV show. <laughs> There was a TV show? Yeah, Photon had a live-action TV show, Laser Tag just had a cartoon, and Photon was way better, but anyway. Laser Tag had a cartoon? Yes, what? it did. Uh. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I had that badass Laser Tag rifle that weighed, like, 20 pounds, so yeah, I gotta go with that. There you go. Sam, are you familiar with either of these? I know of Laser Tag as a game, not as a cartoon, so I'm going with that. I don't know what this stupid photon stuff okay. is. <laughs> well, they were Are both you, basically the same thing. Happens. Are you only aware of Laser Tag because of Barney Stinson? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Both Laser Tag and Photon were basically the same thing. It was just a different brand. I mean, it was. Oh, uh, and... Silverhawks versus Thundercat. <laughs> question i get it okay moving on but anyway um yeah i i I would go with laser tag myself having knowing both of them um since i'm like the only one who does know both (laughs) (laughs) but uh but i will say photon had the better tv show but that that wasn't what i asked i asked which was a better game so all right this one everyone should have an opinion on so Better Sherlock Holmes, RDJ, or Benedict Cumberbatch? Cumberbatch. Definitely. Uh, see, this is like one of those criteria questions. I mean, we're talking about 
we're talking about the most you know uh, faithful to the literature, then it's definitely Cumberbatch. If we're talking about the the one that you know makes me laugh more during the during the uh, the movies, or then it's going to yeah, be yeah, Buddy which, which J. Which do you enjoy more? Enjoy more, uh, Cumberbatch. See, I'm going to say Cumberbatch, but I'm going to disagree with Michael there because I would say that, that oh, I'm sorry, RDJ. I'm going to say RDJ and disagree with Michael okay. because I say RDJ is actually closer to the literature. It's Cumberbatch, it's, it's a modern interpretation. I mean, it, it's all it has, it's inspired by, but at least RDJ is an actual telling of the literature. Yeah, but but there's, there's a whole lot more uh, Sherlock Holmes to to my memory, was not so much an action hero Yeah, in the original <laughs> stories. Yeah, that's, you know, that's what, you think Basil played him as an action hero? <laughs> you know, so I, I, I feel like they're both adaptations. It, it's just just which uh, which which flavor do you prefer? Mm-hmm. And plus, the, uh, the Cumberbatch ones are actually adapting the full stories. Right. Because the RDJ ones are kind of Ooh, let's let's say that's a mishmash at best. <laughs> that's ju- that's just a product of timing of how much time they have to to tell it. True, but I mean, when you look at it that way too, then you know Cumberbatch has also had more time as uh, Sherlock Holmes and has mm-hmm. you know breathed more life into the character. Really, mm-hmm. mm. uh, it, it's subjective, but for me, because I just, they're both action heroes, but the Victorian era just does it for me as far as Sherlock Holmes more. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would say. Cumberbatch versus uh, what's his name in Elementary uh, would be a more fair. True, comparison. true. Mm. Johnny Lee Miller. Johnny, thank you. Fair enough. Now that we're <laughs> now that I'm rethinking the whole five questions concept. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good concept. <laughs> it's like, not only did you pick bad topics, but you also screwed up the questions. <laughs> Way to go, Nathan. <laughs> All right, Sam, RDJ or Benedict Cumberbatch. Uh, I'm going to go with Cumberbatch. I like both of them, but I, I prefer the Cumberbatch version of it. I, I feel strange because I'm agreeing with Ryan way too much, <laughs> but I'm also going to go down with the Robert Downey Jr. version because I, I just like it more, and I just for the setting, like you said, I also like that version, even though I get that there are differences with the literary uh, homes. All right, so we're on to the fourth question, <laughs> and a lot, a lot of these, a lot of these different versions of the same role one came out, but that's just the vagaries of the R- R- RNG. Better Magneto, Ian McKellen or Michael Fassbender? Oh, so hard. Um, I'm gonna go with Ian McKellen. I don't like conflict. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it is a hard question. But I, I I like McKellen's version better. Okay, I'm gonna concede that McKellen is the better actor overall, but Fassbender is the better Magneto, and I'll s- explain that by saying that Ian's Magneto was something of a chump in that he was willing to sacrifice Rogue uh, in the first movie rather than than take the sacrifice himself rather than die himself to achieve his goals. Fassbender's portrayal just seems more true to the I don't want to say heroic the courageous nature of the character. That's a good point. I just chalked that up to the bad writing of the first X-Men movie, but you're right. <laughs> but I get your point, because yeah, I had a problem with that when I first saw X-Men as well. You just get into all kinds of reasons why the X-Men movies are flawed. Um, <laughs> as much as I, I like McKellen in the role, I think that at least with the ones with Fassbender in them, have tried to explore Magneto a bit more, which gives Fassbender a lot more to work with, because with Ian McKellen, it's a lot more like, okay, 
like you're just an old man who's kind of, you know, pissed at everyone else, so go. Ooh, or, uh, so I'm gonna go with... Huh? I said ouch. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, you can play chess every once in a while, that's fine. I, I, I felt like there was more to it than that, but fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there will be an X-Men podcast. There there will be an X-Men podcast. Uh, <laughs> we'll explore. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with Fastbender. <laughs> Alright, I I feel better now, because I'm going to say Ian McKellen, because I feel like McKellen brought the nobility of Magneto, um, yeah. that I feel like is such a uh, important part. I mean, I think X2, I don't think they beat X2 as far as the portrayal of Magneto. Mm-hmm. That shows him on both sides, really, as someone who can basically like be like, "Oh, we're gonna kill all the humans now," but also someone who is willing to work with people who were enemies and everything else. They they showed the sort of multifaceted nature of that guy, and and so I, I'm gonna go with McKellen because of that. All right, and now we're on to the final question. Dun, dun, dun. I almost want to phrase it. <laughs> different <laughs> who who wore spider-man better peter parker or miles morales what <laughs> better um yeah. i don't know just try to say it differently than who's better spider-man <laughs> well and and then and, and here's again it's it's difficult because i'm not i i'm obviously familiar with the comics because i believe that this is actually a question that i came up with <laughs> however However, I, I have not read a lot, um, but but just based on uh, uh, again, you know, like like w- one of the things that, that I had been been thinking of with this question was when we when uh, the new Spidey was coming out, and you know we had the opportunity with with the MCU to to potentially go with Miles Morales. I was very disappointed that they didn't because I kind of feel like like Peter Parker's story has been amply told over and over and over again and uh i was ready for for something new but but we didn't get that so so if i have to pick i will say miles morales because i i'm i i would like to see something different from spider-man all right you know your question makes it sound like we're taking spider-man's skin off and walking around (laughs) 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 well spider-man itself is a costume rather than No, that's exactly what he means. We're we're going all Buffalo Bill on two jobs. No, you have to have an existential crisis about identity right now. (laughs) The web slingers on its wrists or gets the hose again. Uh, I... I, I do have knowledge that Miles Morales exists, and I do agree that they should do something different in the medium that I'm familiar with, it, which is mostly the TV and movie side of it. That being said, I don't have a lot of you know any basis for judgment on on Miles Morales, so I have to go with Peter Parker. Yeah, I uh, I've never actually read Miles, so like with everyone else, I'm just going from impressions that I've gotten from friends and and online. So I have a good impression of him, but Peter's family. I'm going to go with Miles. Any basis for that or just Miles? No. Okay. I don't feel like I have to explain myself every time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like a lot of people here, I know Peter far more. I, I would just counter to, to Jennifer's statement that we have yet to see Peter done what right in the movies. And that's been kind of like why I'm like, uh, you know, the MCU has been doing a better job with all the characters. So, you know, I, I was okay with them doing their Peter and it still doesn't mm-hmm. close the door on 
a miles down the line. Right. Very, very true. And were you were you happier with the portrayal of uh, Peter in uh, from the little bit that we saw of him in uh, the last uh, Captain America movie? Not particularly. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I, I know many people never satisfied with anything. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, I'm never sad just because I wasn't haven't been satisfied with either of the three versions. Of, well, I feel like because there have been so many so recently, everyone mm-hmm. feels like they need to do something so completely different with him. And I feel like each version has gotten something right while then getting something wrong. Because mm-hmm. they're all reactions to the ones that have gone by. I mean, Raimi was the only one who got to do a blank slate, and I think he mm-hmm. got some things right, but other things wrong. And then other people have been have changed the things Raimi did that were right just to be different, while the, well, but then getting other things right. So, uh, without going into too much detail, that's, that's why I feel the way that I do. And also, for God God's sake, people. He can say, with great power comes great responsibility. Raimi didn't copyright that. Just let him say it in the other versions. He, he eventually will, you know. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're saving that for his movie. They're not gonna I, waste that in caps. Well, in right. none of the, in neither of the Amazing Spider-Man movies did he say, he said something that meant kind of the same thing, and the same thing in Civil War when he's like, when you can do something, and you have the power to do it, and, you know, other, you know, and, and you don't, you know, and it's basically saying with great power comes great responsibility without saying it. And it just... I, I agree that that needed to wait for his movie and not somebody yeah. else's. So. We'll see. Well, I mean, to be fair, we've yet to have the Avengers assemble. Yeah. That's over very true. To- All right. <laughs> so that has been probably the most uh, tumultuous five questions yet. <laughs> Hopefully they'll go more smoothly uh, since the previous ones did. <laughs> I blame the 80s. That's, yes, yes. That's yes. everything, though. <laughs> uh, Regan, you know. All right, now we're going to go on a break for a moment uh, so that you can uh, listen to this promo. Do you like movies? Well, let me make you an offer that you can't refuse. Have you ever found yourself standing at the local Cineplex with that smell of freshly buttered popcorn wafting through your nostrils, wondering if that new Hugh Jackman movie is really worth your time? Or have you ever lamented about that time you spent scouring the vast expanse of the internet for movie and DVD release dates when, let's be honest, you'd rather be leveling up your troll hunter, working on the great American novel, or even watching kitten videos? Oh yes, I said kitten videos. I will do the work for you. All I ask is 15 to 30 minutes of your time every Tuesday. My name is Michael Faulkner, and every Tuesday is showtime at the Weekly Potioplex, your audio guide to what's new at the box office, how the top ten fared over the weekend, and what's coming to your home theater on DVD and Blu-ray. You can find the Weekly Potioplex on the Chronic Rift Network at www.chronicrift.com, along with a plethora of other podcasts that explore the culture in pop culture. The Weekly Potioplex, brought to you by the Chronic Rift. Thanks for listening. We'll see you at the theater. That's a wrap!
And we're back. And now we're going to go into our topic this week, which was actually inspired by an article that kind of took the internet by storm a little bit ago about the concept that fandom is broken. And that's something that uh, I've... Shades of this have been going on for as long as I've been connected to Facebook. And it's a topic that's kind of gone round and around, even though I don't think it's ever been or I haven't at least read it so concisely put as uh, in this particular article. And then there was a counter article that I thought was really interesting that said fandom is not broken. And so I wanted to get together uh, a group of people to talk about this notion of fandom and if it, you know, is broken, not broken, whatever. You know, just because I feel like there's there's almost like this this problem in the in the zeitgeist of geekdom uh, that we kind of <laughs> need to expunge, so uh, or have sort of a cathartic moment over. So, who would like to sort of describe the fandom is broken arguments? I think that part of it is is the nature of the internet, the fact that. Uh, that we are so connected and so on all the time, and the anonymity of, of the internet, you, you end up with very, very large groups of people getting together online, and you're always going to have somebody who's a troll or somebody who's who's going to be contrary just on general principle. Anyway, but there, there are a lot of people that, that say things that are very opinionated, and sometimes they back them up and sometimes they don't, and that gets other people uh, very worked up and, and responding to things. I think that we have gotten so we are, rather than just being uh, passive consumers of media, we want to, we want to interact with it more. We, we like to believe that if we have an opinion, then whoever is the creator of this particular media, well, then by God, they ought to listen to us. And if, if we're not happy, then they need to know about it. And I think that's, that's different than it has been certainly in times past. There's also the, uh, the sense that the dev was a Devin Karachi, I think is the author of the fandom is broken article. He, he implies that entitlement is basically like the same as fan engagement. There's this this idea that the entitlement leads to the harassing tweets or mm-hmm. the yeah those death threats and everything, which I I feel is confusing the argument as well. I it's not like I don't agree with him that there is there is a level of engagement between fan and creator, but at the same time, fan entitlement takes on very different notions depending on the property. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, does someone want to sum up the the fandom is not broken article? Well, yeah, I think it, I think it kind of took the um, a, a different road with the same approach. It, it was saying instead of being broken, that it's more it's more under construction and has been for decades. In the fact that you know we're trying to figure out exactly what it means to be fans of of uh, more modern franchises in in the internet era or in the more social era, where we we have the ability to to put our voices out there, but we don't quite understand how powerful that is, or even who's listening to those those arguments. And so that that article was just saying that you know nothing's wrong. It's just that we haven't quite figured out the the approach we need to take yet to make it work more harmoniously than anything else the fandom is broken the farachi article it assumes fandom is, is static and and constant and this is how it's going to be forever whereas the not broken article it describes it's 
fandom is a work in progress. And as technology changes, fandom adapts and changes with it. And it's never going to... Fandom today is not what it was yesterday, and it's not what it's going to be tomorrow. There's also a level of responsibility that has to be placed on creators and how they interact with fans as well. Uh, Hirachi basically says that creators are under attack. Like, they're the ones that are taking the brunt of all of this. Whereas, at the, at the very least, the fandom is not broken. One talks about how we're engaging with each other. Like, uh, and especially with, like, higher profile artists, you know, like Joss Whedon or, uh, I don't think, it, it doesn't name it specifically, but I think, like, Dan Slott or Brian Michael Bendis over at Marvel and everything. Like, a lot of these people and the way they engage with fandom also affects how the fandom reacts to the property. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, that- be held responsible for that on our side and on their side. Yeah, the, the technology has definitely broken down the walls between fandoms and creators. And at the risk of, at the risk of, I don't know, uh, doing something that's close to, to victim blaming. This is going to sound really terrible, but uh, try and follow my logic here. A couple of years ago, Will Wheaton was complaining about fans following him at San Diego Comic-Con demanding autographs, not at the con itself, but outside on the streets of San Diego, mm-hmm. because he was tweeting his location everywhere right. he went. Mm. So, eh, you know, I mean, no, fans definitely should not have done that, but if he had just waited a couple hours till he was home and said, had a great time at this party, mm-hmm. um, that problem would have been alleviated somewhat. So the technology there is just making it difficult for both the creators and the fans in that respect. Well, the other thing that Roth's article, which is the not broken one, brings up is that, you know, some of these discussions, even if they start out negative, are just discussions and Mm -hmm. sometimes have positive outcomes that come out of them. So he's talking about you know, that not all of this is just something where it's just kind of people being unreasonable and, ber- you know, berating artists. There are discussions that come out of this, and this is sort of the point of fandom anyway, is that we should be interacting with each other and we don't exist in a vacuum. Yeah, the, the Farachi article really, like, because I know he did a follow-up where he's like, no, we should really have a queer princess, but the way he comes across in the article with the El- Give Elsa a Girlfriend mm-hmm. and con- and also the, uh, what, uh, the Cap and Bucky. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, give Cap a boyfriend, basically. That the point of those hashtags, it, it was not that the creators of them thought that, first of all, they would get any level of engagement through them. They just, I mean, the creation of a hashtag for a lot of people is just like, oh, I put these, this string of words together because it might be funny or I could, you know, it's just something to say. It's the rest of Twitter that reacts to them and makes them viral. So uh, you're right, Nathan, like the, the conversation that came out of it is more that the pointing out the lack of queer representation in Disney's media when the company itself purports to be gay friendly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and a lot of that too. It comes back to the a degree of of ownership that you know fans put into a franchise. Because I mean, it, it's it's a Star Trek thing, right? You, who you want to see someone like you on the bridge of the Enterprise? Mm-hmm. You want to see them out saving the galaxy, doing good things. And they're not necessarily talking about, like you said, it's not not necessarily they want Cap and Bucky to get together. It's they want to see representation like that in the comics, in the movies, in in television, because it doesn't exist, or it doesn't exist in a high enough profile. Mm-hmm. And it, they want to feel like that is speaking to them because it's something they're very passionate about. The other thing that I thought was, you know, an interesting thing to point out is, is that, you know, I mean, one of the things that's brought up uh, in the in the It's Not Broken article is that, you know, none of this is new. I mean, even though the internet has allowed us to break down some of the levels and has allowed an immediacy that never existed before, I mean, Arthur Conan Doyle got death threats. Mm-hmm. 
So, you know, this isn't a new concept of the modern age. You know, fans have had these kinds of reactions in the past. But in that article, he does talk about the context in which those death threats were received. Mm -hmm. Like, it was his his political leanings towards things. Not not necessarily all the time that it was about Sherlock. I mean, that's the thing, too, is that when we talk about fan interaction with creators, we also have to take into account, especially if we're going way back, Mm -hmm. you know, Conan Doyle had some opinions about things. You know, he was a staunch spiritualist, despite the fact that he created the most, you know, logical, you know, detective in in fiction, Mm -hmm. you know, outside of Batman, basically. Mm -hmm. And and Batman deals with magic all the time. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think you... Uh, I don't think you have to go back into time. You could, it, the problems, these problems in fandom exist, and they're human nature problems. I'm sure their professional athletes could give fandom creators lessons on death threats mm. and and the interactions True. they've had, or or uh, John Lennon. I mean, musicians. It's not a new yeah. uh, creation or new to. It's new. Maybe the the high profile nature of it is new to us, but. The phenomenon is in no way it's go, it goes across spectrum and through time. Yeah, I mean, ar- arguably, music and and uh, uh, things like that in, in sports are fandoms. They're just not not our fandom, <laughs> right? And that's one of the things that I found strange about this article is that you know the, the idea that fandom is broken and treating it like this is something that just happened, like you know, oh, fandom broke. When exactly as we just talked about, this is stuff that's been going on throughout time, and it's something that crosses spectra, you know, it's not just about the geek community. You know, Ryan actually brought up my point, is that sports, you know, people get these kinds of death threats as well, you know. Arguably, humanity is broken, if that's what you And at least with athletes, like, what they can't really do much to influence, like, the storyline of their football playing. I mean, that, that that's the thing. It's like, uh, when people send death threats to uh, comic creators or, you know, movie pro- you know uh, movie people and everything, it's just kind of like, what, what do you think is really going to happen out of this like mm-hmm. the the not broken one does point out that fandom is a very positive force at times like the there have been tv shows that have been saved because fans made a big hoopla about it i mean i remember chuck was mm-hmm. um yeah. supported heavily by people going to uh what was it subway yes yeah. uh, <laughs> they got like an extra season because or a couple of seasons because of fandom mm-hmm. you know there there have been like jericho, jericho. got saved mm-hmm. yeah like there are, there's been a lot of what? things that've been saved by fandom. It's not even just fandom saving shows and movies. It's fandom saving lives or, right. or improving lives. So the 501st, or you go to you talk to any act, any actor. All of them have that story about that one fan that wrote them saying they were on the verge of giving up, but mm-hmm. their character inspired them to keep trying. You also have like the Harry Potter Alliance, which is uh, a, a charity group, basically, that's all fans of Harry Potter. And they go out and they do like community activities. They give to charitable events, like all kinds mm-hmm. of stuff. Like that's a huge thing, you know, for a fan. Every convention has a charity drive. I, I think we're also kind of underselling the, uh, you know, because uh, we're going to some more high-profile things, perhaps, but probably things that touch less lives in total. Just the sheer fact that there's a fandom that people can talk to to realize that they're not alone. 
you know, mm-hmm. is a huge deal that fandom, you know, having organized fan communities, having a place where people know that they can just talk to people about the stuff that they're interested in. You know, I mean, sports is so, uh, you know, ubiquitous that, you know, people can just go out on the street and just chat with their chum about, you know, or even just anyone at random about, oh, the game or whatever. But, you know, historically, and I would argue even to a pretty good point now, we don't have that. If we want to find, you know, people who talk, you know, are interested in the shows that we're interested in, you know, a lot of times we've got to go online to do that because we might not know people in our circle or we only know a few people in our circle who are interested in that same thing. And so I think just from that standpoint of, you know, just what it does for people's, uh, you know, uh, self-esteem in general to just have a community that they can interact with is mm-hmm. is a hard thing to measure, but is, is a huge benefit that fandom provides um i think that's that's true but i think the the idea of of uh geek media in general as being something that is is not popular to with with the the general masses is not necessarily true anymore i mean if you look at something like like game of thrones i mean i've, I've got people at work who i, I do not consider to be you know our people so to speak but you know they'll be like did you see game of thrones the other night and i'm like yeah i'm I'm surprised that you did but uh but yeah i did you know so i think that you know when you when you look at the popularity of of superhero movies and and so many things i think the idea of of the geek community as being marginal is is not necessarily true anymore well i i I think this is veering into another podcast and it is something that i do want to talk about at some point but i i've heard that argument before and i think it really has to do with where people work because i work in somewhere that's more of like an industrial kind of job and while i agree there are certain things like game of thrones or the mcu movies Mm -hmm. not agents of shield that are becoming more mainstream i still feel like a lot of geek culture you know a lot of the series and things that you know uh that we like are still very much that marginal and i would even say even though the mcu is popular there aren't that many people in the general population who make sure to see all of them and oh, try sure. to pay attention to all the connections and everything else. So it's still it's still not quite the same. But Weird Al had a number one album on the Billboard charts. I'm, I'm just I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> the Walking Beauty. Dead ratings. <laughs> exactly, the Walking Dead ratings. The the fact that Doctor Who is is something that most people have at least heard of. I mean, if you had told me that when I was 12, I would have laughed my head off and said, that's just not possible. Well, there, yeah. And there's the, the case to be made in terms of when you're when we talk about the, the comparison with sports. I mean, sports are a visceral thing. Like, you're there in the live action, you're, you're experiencing it, not just in the stadium, but at home when you're watching it. And what's been happening now, to, to Jennifer's point, is that, you know, geek properties are becoming visceral experiences now. We have the movies, the television shows, the fact that when people are live tweeting, you know, Game of Thrones or I've seen like Outlander or Walking Dead or something like that, like those become unifying experiences when people are are, are going through it, you know, in real time. Yeah. No, and I understand that. As I mean, and and that's a really good point. I do feel like though that fandom does provide kind of a safe place because I don't think that we, I don't think that geek community has the level of immersion in society that. Who's the safe space for? 
because that gets into an entirely different discussion about safe space. Well, and, and, well, and then we're getting back to this fandom broken, I guess, and I think we almost need to define what that would even mean for fandom to be broken, because you're right, because even within fandom, they're the bullies, and mm-hmm. which is kind of where all of this started. I would argue that the, the simplest definition of it is if fandom does more harm than good, yeah. it's broken. Mm. And so how, how would we, I mean, what would, what would each of us say? Um, let's go in the reverse order of what I did five questions in. What would each of us say as far as, you know, do you think fandom does more harm than good? Overall, I mean, and this is kind of, it always feels like this is the opposite of what I should be saying, but I do feel that fandom has a much more positive outlook than it does negative because I think what the, especially with the Ferrati article, like he fails to note that he fails to make a distinction between the harassers and the normal everyday fans. Mm-hmm. And that's a huge, that's a big deal because if you equate the entirety of these, you know, people making death threats and harassing uh, statements with all of fandom, then yeah, it's going to look really broken. But I've seen amazing things happen, you know, on Twitter, on the internet or whatever, from people who are fans of a property or, you know, are encouraging of children wanting to be, you know, something that they shouldn't, you know, have been told that they shouldn't be. So Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm much more on the side of fandom is, is more good than harm. In general, yeah, I, I agree that, that fandom does do more good than harm. The argument that fandom does create the safe space and it is more inclusive, the, the reality of that is because it is more inclusive, it's going to include the wrong types, perhaps more than the right types, before we even know they're wrong. I mean, we, we figure it out. <laughs> they show their true color soon enough. But there's a, a quote that I use a lot. Um, it's from an issue of X Factor. I can't remember the character that said it, but she was saying that there are more good apples than rotten in the barrel. It's just the rotten apples smell more. And that's kind of how I look at it. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it with, with what Ryan was saying. But I say in general, uh, fandom is is a good influence. If, if not good, then you know slightly slightly more good of neutral than just neutral. But the the spotlight in a lot of these social media places is really dominated by people who are more vocal and that seems to be the more you know negative aspects of it a lot of people won't jump into negative discussions because it just it you know this is the reason i always have more positive discussions about things is because the negative ones seem to always just be more confrontational more friction more more heat and that's i don't think that's what a lot of people want out of their fandoms you know a lot of people don't want to just go into something and be super critical about it be super negative about it it's a passion that we all share that we get you know it's a as we're saying a safe space we want it to be a happy place or at least a a neutral place where we can help all hang out together and that's that's exactly i agree with 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 what ryan was saying that you know it really is the the rotten apples smell the worst and the good apples kind of just get hidden by that odor jennifer what would you say i think that for for fandom to be a positive thing it's it's not as as we said it's not monolithic monolithic rather it's 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 very big and i think that you can you can curate your fandom experience and choose where you are going to participate in things you know there's there's a a friend of mine online that i i I joke about the fact that she, she goes out to tumblr and gets horribly offended by by the things that people say there and i'm like why do you ever go there Tumblr man. It is it is like I I am not a Tumblr person, but as far as I can tell, it is a a festering, you know, pit of of 
of hatred and and negativity. I mean, and I'm sh- and I'm sure that's that's something where again, where where I'm sure there are corners of it that are fine. But you know, if if you know that a particular group or a particular podcast or or what, it, however it is that you interact with other fans, if you know that it's negative, don't go there. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's that's very true, and that's a good point. That's something that I was going to get into a little bit later, is about, you know, how to sort of divest ourselves of the negative aspects of fandom. But you know, as far as my opinion on fandom in general, at least for me, it's everything that I was talking about, because at least in my circle, there's there's like my wife that I can talk to, and then there's one guy at my work that I can talk to about all this stuff. And pretty much everybody else, and this isn't a knock on things like sports or hunting or fishing, those just don't interest me at all, and that's what the people at my work you know, are interested in. That's what gets them, you know, excited. So, you know, to me, having these outlets and places that I can go to to have these discussions, being able to have a podcast where I talk with other people of, you know, similar but not the same, you know, mindset about topics, that's a huge morale boost to me. Mm -hmm. You know, so uh, I think I can't be alone in that experience. Uh, I think some people do have it better than others, where I think that these things are getting more popular in certain areas, and uh, and, and so that's great, but I, I like having fandom. And I mean, fandom isn't really limited to the internet either. No. You know, I mean, so, so even the fact that you have, you know, people that you talk to in your regular life, you know, that are interested in the same things, that's still fandom that you're talking to. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, fandom that, you know, actually is near you. <laughs> going to like the conventions is also a really good showcase of positivity where fandom is concerned mm-hmm. and this also depends on the convention too i mean my experience is mostly with emerald city and with rose city comic-con so very pacific northwest oriented but it is for me like one of the the most positive and also geek girl con sorry um in seattle uh these are positive displays of fandom where people are trying to be inclusive and positive and encouraging of of, of anyone's love of a thing yeah. You know, and the good thing about certain conventions is that they will include various forms of fandom and will even try to like ask you as a convention goer, like, what other things do you want us to include? We don't want to leave anything out if there is um, a market for it, basically. Yeah, I I will say that's something that I do have a fairly good breadth of knowledge of because I've been to cons all up and down the eastern seaboard as well as a few in Chicago now. And Mm -hmm. my overall impression of conventions and the convention scene is very positive as well. I I know that some bad things have happened at cons. Mm -hmm. That seems to be, though, more the exception than the rule. And I think it has to do with very specific sets of circumstances rather than cons themselves being a problem. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, everything you said... Uh, they're very, you know, positive experiences. You know, you can, a lot of times you can meet people who, you know, you, you, you just meet them for the first time at the con. They're friendly. You know, they want to talk to you about what you're interested in. You talk to them about what you're, in, you know, what they're interested in. You know, mm-hmm. you, you, the, 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 uh, the people running the cons uh, want to engage with you. I've had, yeah. I've had great conversations, conversations with people just waiting in line. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're stuck there for a certain amount of time, depending on what you're in line for. And so you can't help but like talk to the, if, especially if like the person next to you is in cosplay and you're just kind of like, Hey, what's that thing about? Like, tell me about your thing, you know? And, and, and that just creates a conversation that you can, even if you never see that person again, which is likely because there's 
a lot of people at conventions, <laughs> you know, uh, it's, it's a great moment to just have shared your fandom with another person and they've shared theirs with yours. Yeah. The other yeah. thing I really like cons for is meeting those people that you've met online that happen to be going to the same con that you are. Mm-hmm. And that's, and that's always really fun. Cause it's like, Oh, you know, Hey, it's you. Yeah, it's you. You know, kind of thing. It's a real so. person. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Well, I I do think we are social creatures, human beings, and but to that, to to being social, there is some responsibility on our own part. Um, Going back to to Jennifer's point about you know Tumblr, don't go there. If I want to find people who don't who are going to hate the new Ghostbusters, I can do that real easy. And if I want to find people who are going to love it, that's actually maybe a little bit harder, but it's it's still quite doable if you didn't like if if i'm in a facebook group that didn't like the first the 2009 star trek and didn't like the second 2009 star trek i've got a pretty good idea how they're going to feel about the about star trek beyond so if i'm still there and i want to have a positive experience about that that's kind of on me as well yeah, and that's kind of, uh, I think we're starting to get into the sort of the topic that I wanted to get into that Jennifer, you know, started with is what, you know, we have this negative aspect of fandom, you know, we got the people who, you know, are, you know, not respecting the rights of others, we've got the people who are very negative, and, you know, what kinds of, what kinds of things do we think are the kinds of things that, or what should we say to people as far as like, how is the best way to interact, or how is a good way a positive way of interacting as part of fandom to give fandom, you know, the right name. And I think you, you just mentioned a really good one, Ryan. It's like, if you immerse yourselves in things that you hate, <laughs> you know, yeah. that's a problem. <laughs> of course, you're going to come off as being, you know, uh, hateful and negative because you keep on, you know, rubbing that wound, you know, that you have. It's like people who hate watch things. I mean, oh, yeah. I, I don't, I don't understand that. It's like if if you really like if you really hate the new Doctor Who or, or or you know or a character or something, why are you watching? If 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 all you do is after every single episode you you talk about how much you hate it, <laughs> right? I, why are you doing this? Right. I can personally attest to the fact that I have given up. <laughs> <laughs> on a particular show because of that it's just if i have nothing good to say about it why am i watching it exactly and yeah. and that's fine you know but yeah I, I i don't get the hate watching personally no it's why i stopped watching gotham like i <laughs> i realized towards the end of the first season i was like i'm not watching this because i'm actually entertained i'm watching this out of pure hatred now <laughs> and i'm going to stop <laughs> Well, in the past, at least part of my motivation to watch things that I didn't like was that there was so little of the things that I, you know, that were science fiction, you know, Mm -hmm. genre kind of stuff that I felt like I should support it to get more made. But we're kind of in a period now when there's so much of it where that reasoning doesn't really hold water anymore. I think there's also a, a, a thing with, you know, people will watch a thing even if they don't like it because they want to be a part of the conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, people who will watch, you know, for example, The Walking Dead. Maybe they don't like The Walking Dead anymore because I know people who have like mm-hmm. given up on the show at certain points and I very nearly did as well but a lot of people stick with it because they the level of engagement and interaction that comes from watching the episodes fills that need that they have or they they feel like they're not being left out in some way or because they're and and to answer my own question i think sometimes it's because they're very passionate about it and but they want it to be something that it's not yeah, you know they 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 and and there again we get to the entitlement thing of you know well 
you're you're watching this because you you used to love the show and you don't now and so you feel like you need to tell people about why it's not good anymore and and it's and it's like what what is your what, what's your point what are you trying to accomplish you know unless you think that something is going to change why are you i don't know <laughs> we're, seeing, we're seeing it right now with Ghostbusters. I mean, it just it premiered this weekend, mm-hmm. and I'm seeing. I mean, as of the recording of this, because I don't I don't know when this is going to go up. So, <laughs> but this weekend it premiered, um, and it'll it'll go out nationwide next uh, this coming up weekend. But you know the the amount of people who are getting mad because it's getting positive reviews. You know, you know, people who were like, I'm not, I, how dare they ruin my childhood and it's going to be the worst thing. And then when they're not seeing that confirmed by critics or people who have seen it at the very least, mm-hmm. it starts to really piss them off. Well, that gets into something that I've noticed is that there are people who get so emotionally tied up with something and it can be either positive or negative mm-hmm. that anyone expressing a dissenting opinion is somehow saying something about them. It's like, mm-hmm. I believe so strongly that this is horrible. So if you say that it's good, then you are saying something bad about me or vice versa. I think so strongly that this is great. And if so, if you say something negative about it, that means that you're saying negative things about me. And, and I think that this is, this is one of these core issues, mm-hmm. you know, because I feel like fandom by its nature if we want to have a place where we can sit down and talk about things, we have to be able to express our positive and negative opinions freely. And I feel like mm-hmm. some great discussions can come out of that. But it's, the, it's when people start taking things personally and mm-hmm. when people start getting so emotionally invested in as if this fiction... <laughs> I mean, because remember, everyone, this is what we're talking about. We're talking about fiction and entertainment. Is it fiction? Is it fiction? (laughs) Get so tied up with their own feelings of self-worth that they can't take any kind of of dissenting opinion on that that I think is the true sickness, or at least one of the core sicknesses that, you know, is part of fandom. I think that just like people can have two sports teams, you know, two you know, you you can be a you know, a a a Jets fan and I'm a 49ers fan, you know, I'm just throwing out football teams, I know the names of (laughs) you know and Oh, those and, are football and, teams? Okay. <laughs> yeah, and you can be friends, and you can be rivals, and you can sort of like, you know, you know, but still have like a fun conversation just talking about, you know, my, you know, my guy is better than your guy. I think the same thing with like Marvel and DC. We should be able to have like a fun like conversation. Like, Sam's a DC, I'm a Marvel. You mm-hmm. know, we should be able to hype up our respective, you know, things mm-hmm. that we like about our property and take it good naturedly and not be like, you know, oh. How dare you say that, you know, Marvel is best or whatever, you know. Can I just say that would be the least interesting odd couple show ever? <laughs> <laughs> but, but you get my point. Yeah. No, and I think that also comes from a level of, of emotional maturity that people have to have as well. Mm. And that can also, I mean, if you really want to get into the psychology of it, that goes back to what what kind of, not just geek culture, but what kind of just regular culture are we developing? Like, not only with, you know, the, the proliferation of the internet, but also in the kind of hermit ways that people kind of retreat into that. And the fact that, you know, our society is encouraging a much more coddling you know, nature for people mm-hmm. <laughs> and the special snowflakes and all that kind of stuff. Not that it's new, but it's just, it feels a bit more ubiquitous now. Yep. Uh, and that 
like that lack of emotional maturity will often be reflected in in how a person approaches fandom. Mm. I agree with that too, quite a bit actually. I think a lot of what's missing in fandom is is the analytical kind of side of things. Like I, I use Nathan, I use you as an example for this quite often with Doctor Who, mm-hmm. where you've said before, like you're an, you're an old Who fan. You know mm-hmm. that's that's your bread and butter. And when it came to new Who. It wasn't just, oh, they're changing my thing. They're ruining my childhood. I'm out. It was, you gave it a few episodes. You saw where they were going. It wasn't for you. You dropped out. You, you, and I, I assume from some, some of the discussions I've heard you on before, you've come back and tried it a couple more times with different actors or whatever else. But you always have a good opinion as to, this is why I'm not in now. And it, this is the exact same reason I read Twilight, right? It was hmm. because I wanted to have a basis for the judgment to say, no, I don't like Twilight. Here's why. Mm-hmm. Instead, of just jump on the bandwagon and be like, "Nah, Twilight's terrible. Sparkly vampires. What are you thinking?" <laughs> I, I kind of disagree with fruit. that. <laughs> <laughs> but I, 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 the problem there is that is that this is an entertainment medium, and entertainment is subjective. So, trying to do something objective, to trying to do an, an analysis uh, of it, is difficult because what doesn't click for you might click for me or or mm-hmm. or it, it can be i will <laughs> it can be something like howard the duck which <laughs> i will readily accept is a terrible movie but i love it i love it so much <laughs> so analytically speaking i should hate it but i don't and i don't i don't apologize for that so mm-hmm. that that's a tough one so i think that the problem there is is when you have people who are who are so emotionally wound up in their fandom that they can't separate that other people can have that different opinion and no matter how much you analyze it it's always going to be subjective i've lost friends for the disagree for not thinking batman not thinking man of steel was a the basically for not believing superman was jesus come back (laughs) (laughs) yeah I would only disagree with Ryan because Howard the Duck is wonderful and everyone should believe that. No, but but it's a terrible make. I feel like there's almost like a bridge of the objective subjective barrier that we get into with some of this stuff because while I agree with everything you said, Ryan, as far as you know that this is subjective and what you know what you like doesn't have to be what somebody else likes, I believe that we can be analytical mm-hmm. with our media to not only dissect why we didn't like or dislike it, but also to create conversations to sort of bridge why we liked or disliked, you know, whichever way you are, if you liked something, and then talk to somebody who disliked it, and find out how you both watched the same thing, and came away with two different opinions, because we're being analytical, but the things that you rate higher, or the things that you noticed, may be different than somebody else's, and that's why I find discussions, and why I I hate that we've gotten to a point that some people just don't even want to engage in debates anymore, because... Mm -hmm that fa- this whole fandom is broken idea and this whole idea that everything devolves into just name calling and whatever has made some people hesitant to sort of express themselves. And to me, that's the whole fun part of fandom is for us all to express ourselves and for you to challenge my assumptions and for me to challenge your assumptions and for us all to get something new out of it. That's okay. that's wonderful to me. I, I want more of that. I don't want less of it. I don't want us to all hunker down in our own little bubbles. Why are we a fandom if we're all just going to say, yeah, I like this show, and that's all you ever say about it because you're afraid to express an opinion? Well, okay, I, my, my comeback 
to that would be i agree the debates they spread the perspective you get to see other people's point of view and that's fine mm-hmm. but the the analysis to to use twilight you you read twilight sparkly vampires don't work for you and oh look <laughs> i have objectively analyzed twilight it has sparkling vampire vampires therefore it's bad but i might read it and say oh i have objectively analyzed twilight it has sparkling vampires that's cool and original and that's why it's good but so, the other the other part of that isn't isn't that you have you form one opinion or the other. The other part of it is going, I don't like this or I do like this, but I can also see the merit of it from the other point of view. That's mm-hmm. that's where fandom fails to engage because you know we're going like I like I like DC. Nathan likes Marvel. Well, therefore Marvel, you know you know, screw that. But what I can actually do is go, I like DC, but I see all the merits of Marvel. I understand why people like those characters. It's not my cup of tea, but I can talk about why it's someone else's. That's that's what we're trying to talk about. It's not, you like this, I like this, therefore the twain shall never meet. It's, we need to be able to engage with this on multiple levels in order to have an actual conversation. I, I think that's true. I think that something that, that complicates this, though, is that there are... we. The internet and and society in general has gotten so we hear more different voices. We are more accepting of points of view that may be new to us or, or that our definitions of, of acceptance have, have expanded in many respects to the, to the point that people can voice things now that they couldn't have voiced five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I think as a result of that, sometimes because the thing that, that came up that, that I was just thinking of as we were talking about two different people seeing a scene and, and coming away very differently without uh, without getting uh, too mature in content there was a scene in the last Game of Thrones episode where there was a uh, a, a character who was being tortured and th- there's some question as to what happened after the camera left the room and I saw that and thought that the person had been assaulted for sure and I know a lot of people who saw it who saw that scene exactly the same way and there were other people who said no that wasn't even implied how could you possibly see that as as happening and you can do the logical analytical analysis and say this is why I think this but on some level it's also a visceral reaction. Mm-hmm. And when someone says, I didn't see that, it, it, it becomes it becomes very, very awkward because it's like, well, you didn't see that because you're a guy, <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> Frankly. We, yeah. we, we, we are coming at this from, from two different life experiences. And so, and that gets to, when, when we talk about, you know, how can, you know, we need to be able to talk about things and not take it personally. I think that's yeah. absolutely right. And I would love for us all to be 100% analytical because that's, that's you know, I'm, I'm a teacher. I like that. But the fact remains that there are, and, and, and that is one of the things that is great, especially about science fiction media and superheroes, is a lot of the time they're talking about some very real, very contemporary issues that that people feel very personally invested in and their issues of identity and when people when, when you see something like that in media and you identify with it and then someone is dismissive of it i think that is one of the 
that that's one of the things where it's you know it's it's two sides of the same coin it's great that a lot of the media that we engage with do address these societal issues however it makes it hard to discuss sometimes because if somebody doesn't like it then it feels like a personal attack mm-hmm. now would you feel that it's fair then to say that You know, we should be able to express our opinions, but you shouldn't just berate someone for... You know, because to me, like, a lot of times where where it goes from being, like, okay to not okay is Mm -hmm. when someone says, this is my opinion, you know, this is my opinion, and the person just keeps on dogging somebody. How could you, you know, how could you think this way? I I can't believe that you think, you know, as the person, you know, expresses themselves, and, you know, it's like, it becomes less of a discussion and more of a, God, how could you be so stupid, intolerant? you know name your well i i think that has to do with cues and when you're having when we're having a conversation in person and i can see someone's becoming more and more uncomfortable or clearly is done with this conversation subconsciously i know it's time to move on whether it's a stranger or a friend when you're online you're not getting that so you just keep banging at it and before you know it you've lost a friend (laughs) well and and that's true because i mean in some cases you know like ryan and i can go round for round for like 43 you know posts and neither one of us takes it wrong (laughs) (laughs) and neither of us takes it personally and at this point we know that we're okay with this and you know we're done we just stop posting you know kind of thing but you know and and i get that you might not know where that lies but i feel like i feel like i've seen where both parties are at fault with this kind of thing though because i also feel like if somebody feels like they're done they should, you know, if somebody keeps posting... Yeah, just disengage. <laughs> Whereas I've seen people, like, keep going, even though they're clearly unhappy, and then go to the point of, you know, this person was harassing me, and I was like, you could have been done, like, <laughs> you know, like, 12 posts ago. You know? <laughs> Why did you keep going with this if you didn't want to continue talking about this topic? Because you were, you know... And I agree, it's not... It should still be the person who is the one who is, you know, constantly poking... You know, although I've seen where both people are poking too. You yeah, know. The, 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 there there are many situations where I think that that people on both sides would assume that the other person was the aggressor. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I feel like people should be more okay with just saying like I don't want to talk about this anymore and just being done at that point. And that's what I don't see happening a lot. I see people getting hurt feelings and getting upset. And I really feel like, if anything, I I would like to, you know, just express to people, just tell people when you're done, because the internet is that medium that, you know, just as Ryan said, people don't know that you're done unless you tell them straight up. And yeah, it sucks that you have to say it, because, but I don't see any other way of doing it. But there's also the thing that I think many of us experience of, there's someone wrong on the internet, you know? (laughs) It's like, there are are plenty of cases where I think probably all of us have had a, a a conversation where we we probably should have dropped but we felt like the other person was wrong and if we just posted one more time <laughs> that somehow we would get through to them and that, that surely they were we were just not explaining it in the right way and if we just explain it in a different way then they're going to see our point of view 
And it's that's just, you know, human nature to be stubborn and to think that if, you know, on, on some level that if somebody else isn't agreeing, then I must just not have explained it right. Well, and that's where you get into the, the fact that the Internet is not always the best place to have a discussion. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. Especially since, like, you know, this is probably the, the best format for it currently because, yeah, we could have had this where we could see our, our faces and everything. So we could have that level of engagement. But if you're looking at something like Facebook where intention and inflection cannot be easily put out there unless you go like jk you know whatever Mm -hmm. Uh, a series of emojis i suppose and then also with twitter where it's like you have 140 characters and then if you're trying to like say something that you feel is important but is a very lengthy uh, string of words it will take you a while and then also there's the whole people are jumping in and replying to only part of the thought Mm-hmm. You know, and it's so immediate as well that you don't really have the time to respond in a way that would be, I guess, more emotionally satisfying for you, the writer, mm-hmm. versus what they're responding with. Because all they have to do is be like, you know, what about this? Blah, 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 blah. And, you know, and then you're like, well, yeah, I don't. I, OK, fine. <laughs> you know, so it's it's about level of engagement, intention, inflection, voice, all kinds of things factor into why arguments escalate. Yeah. Yeah. And I have to admit that I, I suck with the emojis because <laughs> I grew up, you know, in a pre internet era and, you know, I'm used to writing instead of typing. So the idea of, you know, throwing in like a bunch of symbols to express my emotional state is kind of a foreign one to me, even to this day, even though emojis have existed now for, you know, a really long time. It still bugs me that you can't change, like, you can't make a word, like, bold or underlined mm-hmm. or, you know, indented or anything, because at the very least, there is some kind of a common aesthetic to that, because when we read books and everything, we kind of see that. So mm-hmm. the fact that Facebook or Twitter won't let you do that just still kind of angers me. Yeah. <laughs> But then there were well, people that write in all all caps in bold and make it, you know, <laughs> blinking and set the letters on fire. You know? so. They would use the punctuation against us. Uh, but yeah. at least then you would know what that person intended. Right? Yeah, that, well, they'd still true. say they weren't shouting. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> they still find a way to make it your fault. So, no. right. It's funny because it's true. <laughs> so I, I think we're kind of getting, uh, you know, to the to the end of, of the topic here. I wanted to just see if we have any sort of final thoughts, either, you know, things that we felt that we should have discussed or just if anyone has any sort of positive thoughts about, because I think we all agreed that fandom does more good than harm and that fandom is the positive overall. So... You know, what can we do and what can people who are listening to this who might be unwitting? Because that's the other thing I I guess I wanted to bring up is that some people really are, I think, clueless and are not intending to be jerks. Yeah. There's obviously levels. I mean, if you're sending death threats, I think you're you're intending to be a jerk. But, you know, (laughs) (laughs) some of these some of these conversations where we've seen things go south, I don't think that people are actually, you know, always intentionally trying to hurt someone. So, so in that sort of context, you know, what, you know, ideas do we have to try to mend the, you know, the perceived breaking of fandom? Uh, <laughs> no, uh, yeah, just solve all the problems at once. Heal <laughs> the world, Ryan. Yes, just anything. Exactly. Just throw it. To, I mean, if you have any final thoughts. <laughs> well, yeah, basically, 
I would say that there's responsibility on both ends, on, on fans and creators. Fans, we need to take you know some personal responsibility, and we've got to learn to use the internet like adults. And yeah. but at the same time, creators and and fans themselves need to understand that just because we think we're behaving like adults and we're emotionally grounded, whether we are or not, mm-hmm. doesn't mean everyone else out there is. So I would just say in all of our interactions online and for that matter in the real world, always give the person you're with the benefit of the doubt. Uh, if there are two ways to take something, take it the better way until they they blatantly show you that they meant it the wrong way. I also want to kind of draw a distinction between... You know, I mean, you talked about fans and creators, like they're two different things. In some cases now, especially with how long certain properties have lasted, the fan and creator have become one and the same. I, I'm going to I'm gonna mention Zack Snyder because, uh, again, it's a fairly recent event. And his reaction to the criticisms of, you know, both Man of Steel and Batman v Superman, where he basically became like the hipsterish fan gatekeeper that he could and basically said <laughs> that only real fans could understand his movies. And that oh, I yeah. burnt the world down. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, you know, I mean... I, almost, I feel like we shouldn't draw that distinction almost, that, you know, creators need to also act like adults and, yeah, I- and you know, kind of understand that, you know, the proper, especially if you're part of a property that's lasted, you know, for decades, you know, and older than you are, that there is going to be emotional involvement on the fact, you know, on the part of others. And, you know, at least, at the very least, you should understand then why people feel, uh, you know, so attached to those properties. Well, but at the same time, you shouldn't become a gatekeeper. I, I think that that goes to knowing your your re- your place in with with regards to it. I mean, every interaction is going to be fan fan or fan creator or mm. creator creator. And so, if Zack Snyder needs to understand when he's on the internet, he's on the internet as director Zack Snyder, not fan. Zack Snyder, and that's true of was it Orky, the the Star Trek uh, writer who told all the fans that they didn't know what they were talking about either. Whoever it is out there, you've got your job hat and your your fan hat. So unless you want to go create a fake pseudonym and never reveal who you really are, you just have to censor yourself as a creator. There are some people that I think balance that better than others. James Gunn being being Absolutely. the one that that comes to mind because he makes a very clear distinction when he is talking as the guy who writes and directs Guardians of the Galaxy and when he is speaking just as a fan. And uh, one of the things that was discussed in that initial uh, is fandom broken thing was the fact that uh, when when he stood up and said, "Hey, the whole you know Captain America hail Hydra thing," you know, I'm just speaking as a fan and this is what I think and somebody responded well I hope your cat gets thrown in a wood chipper (laughs) (laughs) wow (laughs) yes and you know even even when you do make that distinction it's it's it, it's still hard you also have to take into effect in, into account the fact that when somebody is a creator they are their their role is very different you know we may look at it and say well you have no right to be the gatekeeper of of this particular media but like if you're Stephen Moffat who grew up as a fan of Doctor Who you know if he's the showrunner, he, he kind of, you know, on some level, his word is law. And, you know, he, he's he's the one who is setting the creative direction for this. And unfortunately, there's currently a thing going on. Again, I don't know when this is going to air, but with uh, people 
saying that he implied that Matt Smith might come back and be the next Doctor after Capaldi. And there are some creators who deliberately troll, you know, <laughs> Never. Who, who feel like there is no bad publicity. And if this gets my show's name in the news, then I'll go ahead and do it, even if it causes some fans to lose their mind. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and that's that is their their role to some degree in in their minds is to you know to raise the profile of their property because that is that is what they do all i'm saying is is that bennett cumberbatch is definitely not playing con okay (laughs) (laughs) oh god (laughs) yeah although i i I understand what you're saying as far as the gatekeeper of the new content that he produces but if Mm -hmm. steven moffat said something like well only true doctor who fans would like the stuff that i'm making you know, that's yeah. that's gatekeeping in a completely different context that is basically saying you're not a true fan if you don't like well, his, his stories. He, he said something not entirely, uh, something that a lot of people read that way when people were saying, well, you should have all the classic doctors come back for the 50th anniversary special. And he basically said, well, I, I, underst- I understand that you feel that, but you're wrong. And, and basically said, this isn't about the past, this is about the future. And there were a lot of people who, who felt like that was a gatekeeping statement, but from his point of view, I'm sure he was just saying, no, this is the direction that I want to take this in as, as the writer of this. That's where you have to understand the distinction between a gatekeeper and an authority. Mm-hmm. Like it or not, he is an authority uh, with that property. He decides what's canon and what isn't. Mm-hmm. But, you know, anyone can be a gatekeeper. They shouldn't be. It, but he... So I would say that you have to keep that in mind. Well, and a gatekeeper would try to tell me what which of my opinions are valid or invalid, and, you know, isn't... I don't feel that's the same as, as if you're just creating a new property, you know, a new extension of the property, unless he also makes those kinds of statements of, you know, this in the past was crap, you know, and stuff like that, and you're wrong if you feel otherwise, you know. But, um, anyway, <laughs> we're getting into semantics here. So, Jennifer, do you have any final thoughts on this topic? I think that that much like uh, you know, it's been it's been a difficult couple of weeks in in the world outside of fandom, and I think that my my attitude towards towards that and everything else is y- you have to you have to choose what you want to interact with to keep your sanity. And there are there are you can't you can't fix everything in the world. You have to sort of choose what is it that that is is worth your time and your your effort in terms of what you want to have your invest your your emotions and your time in if if something you know if the new female ghostbusters is is really important to you and you really want to make your your feelings known about that then you need to find a sane way of interacting with that for your own uh your own mental health and and so just just curate your own take responsibility for curating your own fandom experience and if you feel the need to prove other people wrong on the internet just understand that that you signed up for that (laughs) i have to say that i'm a little guilty of that one that just mentioned because i actually Mm -hmm. have a comic strip i post that says that exactly but uh, i will say with uh with the time i posted that and (laughs) 
Jennifer saw it, it was truly I, a factual matter <laughs> where the person could be was demonstrably wrong, and I had you know, reference works. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not even I'm not even sure that I, I remember which one you're referring to. Oh, okay. but, but I've I've seen so many that they all just kind of roll over me. <laughs> oh, I just thought it was a funny anecdote because you know it was it, I actually had real reference works to cite and page numbers and paragraphs and quotations and everything. <laughs> oh yeah 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 you're, you're yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you remember who hired John yeah, Pertwee? <laughs> yes, exactly. And yes. somebody was saying something that no one ever has ever said in a spoken interview or written one or anything. <laughs> right, and 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 you basically busted out your bibliography and, uh, <laughs> and said <laughs> and said, oh really? Well, I'm going to prove you wrong. Right. But you owned that, right? You right. know, you said I, I'm I'm you know. You knew that that was going to be an investment of your time to right. look up every single reference to that, and and you owned it. So, right. <laughs> yeah, one of the things that I think people need to uh, you know sort of tee off of that is is the difference between facts and opinions. And you cannot say someone's opinion is wrong, but you know, see, people can have you know incorrect facts. You know, and, yeah. and then it's, I think, a little more acceptable to point out, and again, not in like a jerky way, but to just point out, I don't know where you got that from because of this, 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 and this. But Michael, uh, do you have any final thoughts on this topic? Yeah, we were discussing earlier about um, where people are coming from and, and kind of trying to understand their point of view if you really want to engage them. And uh, there's, there's one story I do have for that. You know, it, it kind of links back to the fact that I think fandom as the second article said, is kind of still under construction and has been for a while. And it's not really broken unless you look at it the microscopic view. Mm-hmm. There's a guy I know who's, who's, you know, awfully snarky, but he's somewhat level-headed about things. And with the new female Ghostbusters, he, you know, when the news came out that Dan, Dan Aykroyd had, had endorsed the project and he was all on board with it, he came back with, well, yeah, but he also thought that Blues Brothers 2000 was a great idea, so what does he know? <laughs> and you know he posts this in a quite a few places and when it finally came to a point where i was like okay where is this guy coming from you know i, I you know quote unquote sat down with him on the on facebook and said look mm-hmm. you know, i don't know where you're coming from on this you know i don't know why you're being so negative about this all the time you know we've got a few things out there but not the movie yet you know where are you coming from on this his response was that he had seen all the trailers so far and they just hadn't clicked with him. He didn't think they were funny, didn't think they were exciting, any of that. Mm-hmm. And so that he thought that it was going to be a negative experience, and he didn't like that idea of that movie. And that was it. But he was expressing himself in, in being snarky about it, about how, well, if I'm not seeing it positively, then I don't know how this other person's point of view, like Dan Aykroyd, can be any kind of authority on it. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was bleeding into that. It, what I'm coming down to is that with fandom, it is under construction in the point that we don't all express ourselves the same way. And we, if you really want to get to the root of, of how to, you know, quote unquote, fix the problem, it does take a little bit of time to, you know, sit down with somebody and say, where are you coming from? Figure out what their point of view is and then try to find a neutral ground to discuss the things more logically, more level-headedly than just no you're you're stupid yeah i mean when i hear that people have lost friendships over talking about something that's fictional entertainment that that like really you know bothers me because exactly like you're saying michael i mean we should get to a point where we just talk to each other before we get to a point where you know we're like ending friendships over uh, this kind of stuff because honestly you know as as much as you may identify i mean there's the story of the guy who was the marine who identified strongly with captain america who mm-hmm. sends the death threats to you know the guys who did the the hail hydra thing which was such a I mean, anyone could have predicted that that was just a ratings grab, it's going to be done in an issue kind of 
thing. Mm-hmm. But it, it showed the level of disengagement that people have with how the comic book industry works. Right. So. <laughs> right. But you know, and I understand I understand on that level Captain America is really important to you. But at the same time, we all need to sort of take a step back if we care about something that much that we would threaten to murder someone. Yeah. You know, over it. Because there there's no work of fiction that's so important that it's worth killing someone over. Your no, fandom is but I think that, that I think that, you know, much much like, you know, Dungeons and Dragons makes people kill people or heavy metal or whatever, someone who is going to actually talk about, you know, ending another person's life, they have problems that are much bigger than than their fandom. You know, right? Right. That's that's crazy and that just happens to be the outlet for the crazy. But that's, um it goes back to I, the emotional maturity thing, the mental health and emotional maturity. Like if that's sure. the only way you can express yourself, then your problems are not with captain america there's something else exactly and and for somebody like that if it wasn't captain america then then something else would would be setting them off but i i think that we can't completely brush aside the fact that there are things like i said you know like like the the give elsa a girlfriend kind of thing where people people can end a friendship over the discussion but really it's it's not the fandom that is that is causing the rift it is the differences of opinion and the lack of of consideration on the part of the people in the discussion so uh as as somebody who's been involved in in role-playing games my whole life you know people say well it's just a game yeah it's just a game but it also isn't just a game you know Mm -hmm. it's something that we have a lot of investment in and and when you act in a way that is disrespectful to me then at that point it's not it's not just something that we do for fun it's it's more serious than that yeah i completely agree with you on that as far as if someone is disrespecting you as a person but then the problem Mm -hmm. isn't about the game it's about how they treat you right Right, absolutely but what what i'm saying is I, i think that there are because these are things that people feel passionately about sometimes it it stops it stops being about what is actually being discussed and uh, and ends up crossing over. True, and, and I guess I guess what I'm trying to say, teeing off of what Michael says, is that we shouldn't let those things get to us, and we should talk to each other about the root problem before we let it get to that point, if we can. Obviously, both parties have to be willing to do that for it to work. Right. But uh, Sam, uh, do you have any final thoughts on this? Uh, yeah. I mean, first of all, I would just say, you know, take a breath. A uh, big, deep breath. <laughs> Take a break, walk away. Like, th- that that's the one thing I think that, you know, if, if people actually did those things, like those, like, um, and I've gone to therapy for anger management, so I know. And it wasn't necessarily about fandom engagement. It was just, you know, uh, actual anger problems. But they apply to this because it, the emotional investment, you know, shouldn't be so strong that you feel the need to have to constantly engage with it to the point where you're making threats or, you know, uh, you know uh, going out and, you know, saying mean things to people just because you have no other way of expressing yourself. So if you feel that someone has, you know, quote unquote, wronged you in some way, Way. take a breath walk away don't engage for a while you know it's 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 okay to not be on the internet like <laughs> yeah. the world will not explode if you're if you're not on it so that's that's really the only thing i can i can say and and the other thing is if you happen to 
disseminate false, you know, uh, stories, or you come in at the tail end of a conversation that's clearly winding down, but you take offense to it. If you find out that you're in the wrong, apologize, but don't expect someone to engage you afterwards. Like, I think that's the thing. Like, I think we need to own when we're wrong about things, but we also need to not expect people to go, oh, good for you. You know, (laughs) you're an adult. Act like one. (laughs) Some of you are. I mean, (laughs) some of you are (laughs) 15-year-olds. Yeah. I mean, I guess for parting thoughts for me, I I would love for it to be as reasonable as Michael said that I was. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> when he talked about these anecdotes as far as he understands about my interaction with the new series of Doctor Who. Uh, I wasn't for a long time, and it's one of those things where that was probably the series where I was probably being kind of the jerk that we've talked about. And I got to a point where I basically got to where Jennifer was talking about of just stop engaging and it helped me from an emotional standpoint because i wasn't so angry all the time and you know i mean it helped you know just because yeah now i just say it's not my thing because Mm. if somebody wants to question me about it i have no problem explaining you know my problems with it but i i started realizing that because i was going on to where other people were talking about it and basically, like, go jumping into their conversation to say, like, how much I couldn't stand it. Mm-hmm. I was being, you know, the one who was kind of ruining their experience. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, and that took time, that took discussion. And what I would ask people to do is when you care about a property as much as I care about Doctor Who, about whatever it is that you care about super much, you know, I have one friend for whom it's Star Wars and he can't stand to hear anything negative about the prequels. Because <laughs> to him, he, he's Poor just guy. so, he's so engaged with Star Wars that Star it, it's axiomatic to him. Everything Star Wars must be good. And so he kind of convinces himself that any problems that he sees aren't really problems. But whatever it is that that you're that emotionally uh, wrapped up in, you you need to take a step back and and say like, a like, is there anything constructive out of what that I'm you know what I'm saying, you know, or am I just like making everyone around me unhappy? And b, what am I doing to myself, you know, by you know being that negative all the time? You know, why should I dwell on something that makes me upset? And you know, I mean, I I hope that. You know, if people do that kind of self-examination that they'll start, you know, disengaging, you know, from that kind of discussion, I still want to have and and hope that the internet fosters more of discussions where we don't, you know, have those kinds of, you know, issues where we can just sort of talk about, you know, still be negative per se about, you know, aspects of a property that we don't like, because like I said, that, that to me is interesting. But if you find that something is just so emotional for you, you know, because you love it just that much then try to talk about other things and not that <laughs> you know? Because, again, it's, it's healthier for... It's healthier for you, too. I mean, believe I'm speaking as someone who had this problem. It is healthier for you, too, when all of a sudden your heart rate won't be up constantly and you won't, like, dread getting online because you feel compelled to continue the conversation even though you don't really want to be arguing with, you know, a bunch of people. <laughs> you know, it's not good. <laughs> So, um, uh, yeah, that's my sort of two cents on it. And again, I don't want to stop discussions. And, I, and I've seen people, you know, basically say, 
well, there's no way I can ever change anyone's opinion, so why talk? That's the whole point of conversation in the first place, is for us to share opinions and discuss, you know, discuss things that we like, you know, I mean, it just runs so counter to me, you know, that people would just feel like you can never, ever influence anyone's decision. Of course you can, but at the same time, you shouldn't be a jerk about it and insist that your way is right. You should just express and if you get feedback, then you can continue, you know, um, that's, that's how I feel about it anyway. So with that, uh, I think it's time to wrap up. Thank you again, uh, Ryan, Jennifer, Michael, and Sam for, for joining me. I've really enjoyed this conversation. So let's uh, wrap out. Michael, thank you again for joining us. And why don't you say goodbye to everybody and uh, let us know where we can find you. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was, it was definitely a pleasure to be here. If you want to check out more of my ramblings and adventures, uh, you can do so at the chron- or chronicrift.com. That's where you'll find the weekly Plex, which is a, uh, a weekly look at uh, movie news. Uh, also, on that same network, you can find... Uh, plenty of other other podcasts and, and things that uh, try to find the culture in pop culture. The other place you can find me is on uh, my blog, Creative Criticality, which is at creativecriticality.wordpress.com. And uh, the, the big highlight there right now is the Timestamps Project, which is a look at Doctor Who from the very beginning. Every story, starting with William Hartnell, where I'm watching them for the first time and giving my impressions on each one. All right. Thank you, Michael. Jennifer, thank you for joining us. And um, why don't you uh, say goodbye to everybody and let us know where we can find you online? Absolutely. Um, well, I am. Uh, I am as I, as we mentioned before. I am one of the co-hosts of Earth Station MCU. Actually, I'm the, the producer of that one and uh, a co-host. And that is uh, we're, we're on semi hiatus over the summer. We're going to be uh, coming back to do a few episodes, but we'll be back in the fall for regular weekly episodes again. I'm also a co-host on Earth Station Who, which is all about Doctor Who. We do, um, during the, the regular season, we review the new episodes. And over the break, we're doing a mix of new and old episodes. Our next episode we're taping this week is going to be on the Aztecs, going way back to the first Doctor. Very cool. Sam, why don't you say goodbye to everybody and let us know where we can find you. Ah, yes. Uh, Goodbye, everybody. Uh, You can find me uh, on Twitter at darling underscore Sammy, S-A-M-M-Y. You can also go to maniacalgeek.com, which is where I do all of my articles, as well as post the um, episodes for That Girl with the Curls podcast, uh, because I don't know anything about brand consolidation. (laughs) Um, And uh, you can also go on Facebook and find both of those there, too. As As a new thing that has come out as of the recording of this again i don't know when it's going out i had a story published in mad scientist journal which is now uh live you can go and buy it uh, wherever they are sold (laughs) yeah it was a fun little story and i'm happy with it and i i would hope that other people would be happy with it too it's called her majesty's untapped fury so go and check it out i may be biased but i really enjoy the that girls with the girl girls uh, podcast Well, since you can say it so clearly as well. Right, yes, exactly. (laughs) The girl, curly hair, I don't know, whatever. (laughs) That girl's with the curl? Oh, no, no, wait, no, that's that curl, that girl with the curl. God, I can't talk. All right. What?
<laughs> All right, Ryan, why don't you say goodbye and let us know where we can find you. Well, goodbye, internets. Uh, you can find me doing, hopefully, several of these podcasts on the 42Cast and a few other places around the internet. By the time this gets posted, GeekStranger.com should be up as in its infancy. Be kind. And I'm on Twitter under GeekStranger as well. And from there, you can find my Facebook page. Come tell me while I'm, why uh, I'm wrong or you're right, and we'll see where it goes from there. But I will be polite about it and as much as i want your likes and your followers we can have this conversation as adults <laughs> well said or, or can we yeah. <laughs> well not you <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah those hypothetical people we can have discussions yeah. like adults and that's another episode of the 42 cast wrapped up. I want to make sure that I'm clear that when I talk about what fandom should be doing, what we as fans should be doing, I'm including myself in that as well. I tried to get that through with my anecdote at the end there that I'm certainly not above having these kinds of feelings myself from time to time. And it's something that's really on all of us to make our community a accepting place, a place where we can have discussions without escalating things to a point where nobody's having fun. I mean, the, the whole point of this is for us to enjoy ourselves. So that's what I tried to get across. I hope that I succeeded in doing that. But to that point, what did you think of this episode? Did you like a deeper topic like this? Do you want us to do more interviews, TV season reviews, and things of that nature? Let us know. Uh, and you can do that by emailing us at everything at 42cast.com. You can also drop us a line on our website, which is 42cast.com. You can talk to us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash 42cast. And you can tweet to us at at 42cast. You can also leave us feedback on Stitcher Radio and iTunes. And I would really actually like to see more feedback on iTunes, especially. I know that the more reviews that there are, the more that it shows up on iTunes as a recommendation. So I would appreciate if you are listening to this show for you to raise awareness of the show by leaving your own comments. If just a few people leave a comment every month, then pretty soon there'll be a lot of comments, a lot of reviews on there, and it will help more people find the show, and hopefully it'll get the show flagged to show uh, as a recommendation for more people. Aside from that, I am going to post links to the articles that we talked about in this episode. I'm also going to post links to both Laser Tag and Photon so that people can see that those are real things. I think Laser Tag kind of became like Xerox, where it became a generic term for any light gun based game where you're wearing like a, a vest. There used to be an actual company called Laser Tag. I'm not sure it still exists. And this rival company was Photon. And I think nowadays, even though people say that they have like a Laser Tag, you know, game. I'm not sure it's still the laser tag company. It's sort of just become a generic term for it. The other thing I'm going to post a link to is Silverhawks, which also I want to show is a real show that existed. Kind of surprised that so many people hadn't heard of it that grew up in the 80s, but uh, there you go. And now it's time to say goodbye. Uh, it sounds like I'm on the Mickey Mouse Club, but that's not what I'm going for here. Uh, join us back next week when Will Minio will be joining us. Yes, I got another interview lined up with a man who's been involved in the animation industry for many, many years and worked on X-Men and Exo Squad, which, as you know if you watched or listened to episode 10, are two of my favorite cartoons of all time. So uh, I'm going to talk to Will. I think that, that was a really great interview. And so join us back next week. And until then, this is Nathan signing off.
You've been listening to the 42 Cast, copyright 2018. Got a question for the ultimate answer? Contact us at everything at 42cast.com. Theme music is Sharper Swords by Brandon Ellis. Check out more of his work at www.cityfires.com. Incidental music is provided with permission by Fur DK. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at esonetwork.com.